Hello, you're listening to the God Talk Post Message Podcast, following the message that was given by me, John Voles, on the 17th and 18th of March, entitled, What Exactly Am I Supposed to Do? Well, hey everybody, welcome to week five, this is week five of our Post Message Podcast. (laughs) Week Cinco. Man, I didn't know you were bilingual, Sean. Yes. Well, here uh, with me, this is John Voles. We've got Sean Miller uh, here. And then we have two people who have never been on this post-message podcast. We have Melanie Waugh. Hello. W-A-U-G-H. How, how many different pronunciations do you get for your last name? Quite a few, or people just don't try. Yeah, what's the worst? Um, Wog. <laughs> Wog, yeah, probably Wog. Wog? That is awesome. Mrs. Wog. That's awesome. And then we have Amber Garza. Hello. Hello, Amber Garza. So why don't you guys tell everybody what you do here at Lakeside? I mean, what you do is not who you are. We all know that. We've spoken about that recently, but still, how would they know you if they ran into you here? What's your role? Well, I am the hospitality coordinator. This is Amber. So, this is Amber Garza, the hospitality coordinator. You would see me in the lobby, smiling and greeting you on the weekends. And I am an administrative assistant for adult ministries. So, you get uh, emails from me a lot. Oh, yes. <laughs> it sounds so proper. That was good, Melanie. Well, glad you guys are here. This is fun. Uh, so, this weekend... I spoke, so I'm going to try, although it's really super hard, I'm going to try not to speak as much today. I like my words. <laughs> my wife tells me I like words. Lots and lots of words. I use my words a lot. Yes. Yeah. I've noticed. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really, Amber Garza? All right. So, well, yeah, least, what do you want to talk about? Tell us, like, the, what was the title of your message this week, John? We all heard the talk. What was the title? Well, I'll tell you what the title is, and then I will say that we answered the title in the first 10 seconds, which the, the title was kind of a misnomer. Like, the, the title hinted at what we were going to talk about, which was exactly the opposite of the title. The title was, What Exactly Am I Supposed to Do When It Comes to God Talk? Exactly. Yeah, right. And there is no exactly. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the point. Uh, but it's still a question that we often here and and I think that people want yes. to know like are yes. you sure yes. I, there's not something that I'm supposed to do exactly so that was there was kind of a there was a playfulness in the title well I'm, I'm interested because I know that Amber has had some conversation about this a little bit you were yes. telling us before and you're kind of wondering what what am I supposed to do am I getting it right am I getting it wrong and so this whole idea of exactly what I'm supposed to do right. How, how does that make you feel? How did the message uh, sound to you? How did it come off to you? Well, in this whole series, I think that for my family, we, my husband and I grew up in church, and the way that we were raised, it was like, you go out and you talk to people to try to convert them. You try to pray the prayer with people. You know, That's how you evangelize. And through this message series, it's really challenged us to think that that's okay, that we're not doing that, you know? My husband and I were both saying that throughout our life, we've never actually prayed the prayer with someone. But we've talked to a lot of people about God. We've shared our stories. We've shared what God's doing in our lives. We've loved on people. But we've always felt like, oh, we are not doing enough because we haven't prayed that prayer. (laughs) We haven't sat down and got someone to sign on that dotted line. And so it's been really freeing for our family 
to think maybe what we're doing is enough. Mm. You know, maybe just using our natural giftings and talking to people in regular conversation <laughs> and not yes. forcing something on them, but just telling them our experience, maybe that's enough. You guys have been a part of the journey. Maybe, maybe not that one part of the journey right. Right. where you sit down and you say a prayer with somebody or you have this very specific right. conversation, but you've been the, a part of multiple journeys with mm-hmm. people when it comes to talking about God. Yeah. Yeah, good, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking about that out of First Corinthians 3, the context this weekend was that Paul was drawing attention to that, how we paid, play different roles, that some plant and some water, mm-hmm. and, but God is the one that does the growing. Right, yes. right. But that's interesting that you said, it, it, did you say it's freeing? Is that what's, yeah. what you said? Yeah, yeah, definitely freeing. So I love that because you're not the first person that has said freeing, uh, to me during this series and to Sean um, and to Brad. We've, we've heard this feedback and freeing means that we've all been carrying something. What have we been freed of is the question in this. And I, th- I mean, I have an idea, but I'd love to hear you. I think for me it's like guilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> guilt that I'm not doing enough and then um, freedom to be myself freedom to do things the way that I'm doing them right now and and freedom from a responsibility to have to carry all of it. Hmm. So it's a it's a freedom to not have the burden of doing something that you don't think you can do well and the right. freedom to right. do the thing that you do think you do well. Right. It, that's awesome. Or that's even good. feeling mm-hmm. like I have to do something that maybe I'm not even feeling peace about doing. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm sharing my story with someone, I don't necessarily feel a piece about then going a step further to say, <laughs> do you want to respond to my... Yes. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? What's it going to take you to <laughs> right. sit down and pray this prayer today? Yeah. Can I get you in a vehicle today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, we like to joke about that every once in a while. <laughs> if Jesus came in green, would you drive him off the lot today? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's interesting because, so the talk... This week dealt with a lot of different styles of God talk. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these styles will lend themselves to us more than others. Mm-hmm. In other words, you might say, I can do that, but man, I, I don't feel very comfortable doing that. I've tried to do it that way, and it doesn't right. really go well for me. So I'm, I'm wondering for you, what's, what's one of the styles, one of the ways that John talked about that you're more attracted to and, and maybe for both of you, you can answer this. And then what's one of the ways that you thought, oh, that's probably not me. Okay, that's easy. So for me, the one that stuck out the most was storyteller. Mm-hmm. Because I am a natural storyteller. And um, not just because I write, but also because I feel like that's always my easiest way of telling people, like, what God's done in my life, what he's teaching me. I, I just... I like to tell people stories, you know, and then the partying one, I like to have people over, I like to go to people's houses, I like to go out with people, um, but the one that was harder was, there was like, was it intellectual? Yeah. Yeah, so that one, <laughs> I don't necessarily get into a lot of theological discussions with people naturally. <laughs> it's not sure. something that's going to happen organically in my circle of friends, so. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Quick commercial, Amber is an author. She is. She's a romance theologian. <laughs> yeah. She's got a different language. She's bilingual too, but it's in she romance. Is. 
<laughs> how many how many books have you written? I mean, I, I've only read like seven, but <laughs> seventeen romances. John Bowles has read. <laughs> yeah, no, how many have you? How many have you written? Um, I have thirty-four that are published. Oh my 34 goodness! Thirty-four published books. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And they are love stories. Most of them, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's that's sweet. What about you, Melanie? Well, I just wanted to go back to the roles we play, and um, I think that was a helpful reminder that we have a role to play and through these different approaches, but um, we don't have to feel like we're getting the final reaping. Um, mm-hmm. And But I think it is a tension, especially similarly, I grew up in the church, and we've. I know I have always felt... Uh, wanting to obey Jesus' command to make disciples, it felt like that was that meant you're supposed to really push it farther than just talking about God. I mean, that's something that maybe I grew up thinking. I don't. I never did it well I, in terms of getting to that point. But I, I understand that feeling like you're supposed to push people farther along in their decision making. Let's yeah. just say. So um, it's always a helpful reminder to me that God is doing the work and he uses all kinds of ways to reach people and he's pursuing them. So, yeah. That's yeah. yeah, no, that's good. That's a great point. And we, we may touch on this a little bit this week, but um, you've talked a lot, John, in this series, and I know Brad has, and we kind of kicked off this, this series with this idea of paying attention, mm-hmm. kind of looking at culture, looking at where we've come from, where we are now, and just paying attention to what is God doing in this person's life? Where are they at? Where do I see God moving? And being better at paying attention than maybe sometimes not noticing where somebody is at with God and just being hyper-focused on making the deal, like sealing the deal. Because I think it's fantastic. I have prayed with pre- people, and uh, maybe because I did a lot of work with young people, and young people tend to make decisions uh, at greater numbers mm-hmm. than adults do, but um, it's fantastic. It's, it's phenomenal, but it's easy to get very focused on that and lose the person and the person's story along the way. Right. Yeah, it's almost like it, it becomes, it did for this, it became this for me. Um, growing up, I was, I was trained, like you were saying, Melanie, by, by well-intentioned people. I call it the well-intentioned tension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, I was trained to lead people through a specific set of steps. And Sean, what you're saying, and I felt this growing up many, many times, is that I would be talking with people and just waiting for them to finish their sentence so I could go to the next thing. And in the process, I I would miss so many details. Right. Yeah. You know, because I just wanted them to. This is this is so counterintuitive. This is so weird. But it's like, okay, shut up, so I can finish what I'm saying right, right now. Yes. So <laughs> so then you can respond to the awesome things that I have to tell you. Yes. <laughs> and I think one of the ways to describe that is, I, I, I think the model that we've been looking at, and when we look at Jesus, 
there's a transformational relationship there. But oftentimes we get sort of suckered in to this idea of a transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about what you're going to say, when the other person is telling you their story and you're not really listening, that's very transactional. Like, okay, you can give me something and it may be important to me, it may not, but here's what I'm going to give to you or we're going to make a trade here. You're Mm -hmm. going to talk a little bit, I'm going to talk a little bit. I think transformational relationships have a little bit less of an agenda that Mm -hmm. comes with Mm -hmm. them. And I experienced that as a, as a young follower of Jesus. I used to go to the mall, and I used to ask people, can I give you a spiritual survey? Because I wanted to do evangelism. And along the way, at some point, and I was very uncomfortable doing this, but it was something that I felt like I, I, I had to do. You know, people are walking out in this world, and I want them to know Jesus. I want them to experience the transform, transformational relationship that I have with Jesus. And um, at some point it dawned on me, I, I need to just be friends with people. Hmm. And I have a lot of people already in my life that have yet to follow Jesus. Why don't I just be friends with them? But I'm pretty thick, so it took a while for that, for that to seep <laughs> through. And so I was uncomfortable for a long time with even the whole concept of, of evangelism. Hmm. Well, so yeah, we have that transaction kind of mentality play out in our relationships um, with one another, and we also have it play out ultimately with God. I mean, you see this as the whole story in the Old Testament, too, especially with, it's like this tit for tat. It's like, I do this and God responds this way. I do this and then maybe God will respond this way, good and bad. And and it seems like, like Jesus is messing with that narrative constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. Things don't always turn out the way quid pro quo should turn out when you look at Jesus. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and that's exciting because a lot of times he just lavishes more on people. And it's like, wait a minute, they didn't do anything to deserve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and that's grace. I'm curious uh, from you, Melanie, so out of all those different styles that John was talking about, those different strategies, um, which ones were you more drawn to? Well, I'm sure you remember every single one of them. Yes, let me just make <laughs> a quick I'm so list. eloquent. <laughs> I would say uh, empathetic approaches, um, trying to relate to people where mm-hmm. they're at and um, caring about people. And I, I like to be in interpersonal gatherings, but I'm more of a small, one-on-one, small group of people type of person so I think that can happen in that kind of environment um I I'm fascinated with apologetics and that kind of intellectual approach I don't think I've got that nailed down but um I don't know I I still think that that can be very persuasive to someone who's drawn to that kind of thinking and so I if I had a chance to talk in that way with somebody, I think that would be great, but, you know, I I don't know how equipped I would be. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, there's, it's, you gave seven different options, and uh, one of them that I hadn't heard of before, I I, I hadn't heard it phrased this way, and so maybe I had... When did I say it? I may have made it up. So, it was the last one. (laughs) Okay. It It was number seven. Okay. 
and it was bleeding for people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and you know, you, 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 you talked about uh, Jesus being a punk rocker. You, know? mm-hmm. you talked about Barnabas, who is this character from the book of Acts, and he goes and gets this dangerous human being named Paul. Actually, mm-hmm. his name was Saul at the time. Mm-hmm. And, so, and Saul was a religious terrorist. Mm-hmm. If we define religious terrorism, killing people and putting people in prison and torturing people because they are going against your particular view mm-hmm. on God and humanity, your worldview, because yeah. that's what Paul was doing. Right. Check, <laughs> check, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So he was a religious terrorist and, and he has this amazing experience and everybody's afraid of him. And Barnabas risks everything to say, guys, let me introduce you to this guy named Saul, who you need to know about. Mm-hmm. So, bleeding for people. That, that was a new one for me, John. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, thanks. Um, I th- so, that, that bleeding for people came out of my own grappling with, like, there's so many different ways you could talk about, you know, sacrificing for people or coming alongside or encouraging or... But for me, I like especially when you look at these, you know, the the plethora of verses that we were looking at, and where Jesus talks about, you know, like loving those uh, who are unlovable or unlovely, uh, those you hate. Um, it, it, there needed to be a stronger word, so it's more. It, it like kind of went beyond like the sacrificial love, come alongside, buddy buddy thing for people. Like for me. Where I need to grow is I need to learn how to bleed. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I want to do that more. I, it's, it's that like give till it hurts, mm-hmm. but the love version. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that that's a, that's a super, that's a big growth curve uh, for me, the bleeding for people. And yeah, the whole idea of Jesus being a, a punk rocker, which I, I didn't say that at the 1045 gathering. I just, we were running out of time. And if you, that's the one we're loading onto the web, by the way. But, um, but the idea is, is that punk rock goes against the, uh, the status quo. It's not mainstream. And the mainstream thing to do is tit for tat, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, punk rock, we said there's always a group of people that hear a new form of music and some people go, I hate that, turn that down. But there's always a group of people going, wow, that's my people. Like, I love that. This is my sound. I've been waiting for somebody to say this. And I think, so in that way, Jesus was a punk rocker because he was, he was going against the grain and some people hated him for what he did and others were saying, I'm heard. I belong. Mm -hmm. Someone knows me. Those were all brand new ideas. So very punk rock, Jesus. (laughs) Can you explain a little more how that then brings into God talk? Like, are you saying being aware, being that type of person then gives you a way to relate to people? Or can you fill that out a little bit more? Yeah, I'm saying that the idea of being loved unconditionally is so counter-cultural, counter-cultural mm-hmm. that when people see it, they're strangely, oddly attracted to it, and even if they don't have the words for it. So it creates an environment and perhaps even a scenario at some point where 
somebody asks you why in the world you would love them so much, right? Because they're they're just not used to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give specific examples where I've seen this in my life because honestly, those examples are super personal. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but I've I've witnessed that in my own life, um, uh, both ways where I've been loved unconditionally, and I think where I have loved someone else unconditionally, and and that that's the. That is the Jesus culture. That is the, that's what he works with all the time. Mm-hmm. He's always uh, in, in, encouraging us in, in multiple stories to people respond like this. No, you respond like this. And the deal is, is that it's, it's counterculture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, and the unexpected blows us away. Sometimes... Uh, I think we've all said things to get a rise out of people, you know, like um, <laughs> there's that saying, you know, oh, you just said that to get their goat. I have a friend who says, uh, you just said that because you know exactly where my goat is tied. <laughs> I think that's it's so fun. It's a, like this visual picture of the goat. I don't know what the poor goat has to do with it. But the, the deal is, is I'm going to say something to get under your skin. Uh, my wife and I were really good at this early on in our marriage. And when somebody says something cutting, biting, um, uh, sarcastic, which literally comes from a word which means the tearing or ripping of the flesh, which is interesting. When somebody says something like that and your response is love, it's to listen, it's to hear, it's to seek to understand, like that blows us away. Because right we're looking for people to get ticked off. When right, we say right. something like we want to, we want to get a res out of them. We want them to be like, <laughs> we want to hurt them. Right. <laughs> right. Um, let me switch gears just a little bit, kind of coming back to these seven different ways to do God talk. Let's. I want to flip it around though. Okay. And put the spotlight on on you two, and then maybe maybe you and I can weigh in, John, as well, a little bit. But um, uh, think back to when somebody did God talk with you or a time in your life where it actually, like you really heard it, you received it, it, it connected with you. Um, which category out of the seven would that fall into? Like, like think about how you received it well, or even nowadays, I mean, how do you receive God talk well? So may, may, maybe you had an experience in college or, or, or maybe younger than that where something just started, like the pieces started falling together for you. Like when we first became Christians, you're saying? Or just, sure, yeah, sure. Or just like throughout our I life? Think, yeah, or, any, or anywhere life. along the road, which is, that's an interesting question because part of the series too is talking about how do we talk about God all the time. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's funny. I probably respond really well to what you were just talking about, about the bleeding for people. Mm. Um, Just because throughout my life, I've always been a person that learns things the hard way. (laughs) And I've always made really poor decisions, like in my younger years. And I needed a lot of grace from people. And it was always the people that still loved me in spite of how I was behaving. Yeah those were the people that really brought me back. And I think in some ways it's why I acted out when I was younger because I wanted to know somebody was going to love me through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, not that I would know that at the time, but looking back at 
40 years old <laughs> back in my life, I realized I think I was looking for who was it that was going to love me when I was unlovable. But it was definitely in those moments that I really um, was able to receive God talk. That <laughs> mm. I was really able to believe that there was a God that would love me when I was at my ugliest. Yeah, that's fantastic. So. That's powerful. Yeah, yeah I think um, what's been most powerful is storytelling. Uh, people talking about what God's doing in their life. Mm. is It's always just something that is encouraging when you know it's real for someone and mm. you hear when I've heard what what's happening that you might not otherwise know or that makes sense to oh now I understand this person it gives a lot of credibility to what they're saying mm-hmm. to know where they're coming from and they hear what God's doing for them mm-hmm. that's fantastic I think for me one of the ones that I'm not really good at but I really, really receive it well, is the invitational approach. Mm. At the end of the day, I've used way too many words. I don't have as many words as John. Mm-hmm. Not even close. <laughs> and I've used a lot of words. And so this idea of being invitational with my life is something I've really had to work at. And it's why I love going to coffee with people and, and having the one-on-one conversations. You know, I do that all the time. But... Um, I really, if I look back on my life, uh, whether it was in the moment where there were some young college students who were who just kept inviting me, mm-hmm. I got invited to go to the other side of the world and tell people about Jesus before I was a follower of Jesus. <laughs> and that changed my life. That changed my life. I didn't go on that trip, but I went on the next one. But that changed my life, that somebody would think so highly of me that they would include me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's funny because the, one that, the ones that we're good at aren't always the ones that, that we necessarily need in our own life. Right. And so I've had moments in my life where I just need to be included. I need somebody to have room on their friend card, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. And then at the same time, Oh man, that's hard for me to do that. Yeah. That's really, really <laughs> difficult. So I think these, I, I think these different, different, just self awareness and paying attention to how we're wired and how other people are wired, mm-hmm. and it all starts with sitting down and getting to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. What did you go back to? Something you just said. You said the the ones that we're good at are not necessarily the ones that we need or yeah that we personally need right that's interesting as you yeah I was also thinking that some of them I know in my own life some of them I actually react against when I see them in other people even when they're doing it well because I'm shaped so different Mm, that's a good point because we can really start getting on the judgment bandwagon yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly I've had to learn this, like, with my wife. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty giving person, but my wife, man, she gives, 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 gives. So, like, there's those times in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm tired of giving. I want the proverbial <laughs> remote control and comfort chair. Mm-hmm. And, and she's still giving to people. And I think there's parts of me that wants her to slow down, hmm. slow down the giving. Yeah. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's selfish. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's... 
but I recognize it in myself and I, I, I yeah. go, oh, that's yucky. I want to actually, I want to be more like her or at mm-hmm. least give her the room to be her yeah. in right, all the right. ways that she mm-hmm. does it so well. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, somebody serving you, empathizing with you. I really like that, but turn that around, man, it's, it can be difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for some people it does, it, you know, for, for Tani, it comes really naturally. I know for Holly, serving comes really, really naturally. And so it would make sense if I wanted to do God talk with somebody like that, that I would serve. And yet I go, okay, now I've got to figure out how to do this because I'm not good at it. I don't like it, what, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's, I think it'd be true with all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Well, this has been good talk, you guys. Thank you for throwing into the mix today. I think that's uh, fun. We're actually recording a live podcast after this upcoming weekend. So, Sean, you and I and Brad are all three speaking this upcoming weekend. Yes. And then Saturday evening. One night only. One night only <laughs> at 8 o'clock p.m., which is after both of the Saturday gatherings. We are going to, you're all invited, everyone who's listening and not listening, tell your friends. Uh, you're all invited to meet in the auditorium because we're going to record a Q&A, much like yes. what we did right here, um, but uh, with us three as a, as a panel kind of bantering back and forth, a Q&A session. I think it's going to be good. So we want people this Saturday night to bring their God Talk journals because they've been taking notes for five weeks and they may have questions going yeah. all the way back to the very first week. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how many questions we can get to. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right. Peace out. That's an old phrase. Say it. Wah. Wah. So there you have it. That's it for this week. As always, if you want to catch a message that you missed or listen to it again, go to lakesidechurch.com, click on the menu that looks like a little hamburger. It will take you to a spot that says media, and then click on messages or podcasts, whatever you like. Peace. Peace.